Hey, Rafer. Hey, Kristen. I have a feeling that you have a great story to tell me about what you did on your 21st birthday. Can't remember. <laughs> Can't remember at all what I did on my 21st birthday. Because there's that great myth that surrounds, that surrounds your 21st birthday that this will be the first time you can drink or, or go into a bar. But you were drinking for decades before. But it was, <laughs> my, my 21st birthday marked none of those things. Um, I, I honestly can't remember. How about you? I was living in England at the time oh. as an undocumented um, immigrant, uh-huh. you might say. And all I wanted to do was see Barry Manilow's new West End production of Copacabana. And my friends actually took me to see it. And Barry Manilow was there. And I believe the show closed like 15 minutes later. But it was a truly <laughs> magnificent 21st birthday. And, and like you, I'd already been drinking for a long time. Especially so, yeah. if you're in England. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, all exactly. Right. As an undocumented, of course I was drunk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need any documentation to get drunk in England. <laughs> oh, my um, God. I feel like someone's going to come in from immigration and arrest me at this point. But anywho, the reason we're talking about all of this is obviously – 21 and over. Yes, also known as Hangover 25. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> but um bum Oh, and we're going to talk about that with a very special guest, but before we do that, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway. And I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday, and this is Movie Date. All righty, Rafer. Before we get to the main event, let's just get some of these other movies out of the way. Oh, yeah, the other movies. Um, <laughs> and well, I know you will love them. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we start with a little movie, a little thriller called Phantom. Squadron Command is insisting on the most experienced captain and crew available. I'm being retired, remember? You should know that. Your signature's all over the transfer. Considering your history, command wanted to honor you with our last patrol. Honor me. The Navy's an unforgiving place. We're both proof of that. Christian, wake up, Christian. I'm sorry. 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 What? Oh, God. You... Oh, good. It's, uh, it's just so... Okay. Uh, what were you saying? What's going okay, on? Okay, so I'm Where not going to ask you to give the plot summary for that one, um, which leaves me with the incredibly difficult task of giving one myself. This is a Cold War thriller taking place, uh, I think, in the 80s, maybe late 80s about the crew of a Soviet sub. Ed Harris plays the captain. He's on a mysterious mission. David Duchovny is on board, which makes it even more mysterious. <laughs> and they're going to, and, and the two of them are going to have a little mano a mano and some disagreements about just what their mission is. Um, I'm just going to say that the first thing that I, most viewers will be wondering, perhaps, or noticing um, is that Ed Harris and David Duchovny and the entire cast um, are all Americans, and yet they are playing Russians, Soviet Russians in the 80s. And it's, it's a real weird experience. Did you, did you find that hard to wrap your head around in this movie? No. You know what I loved about it? Once we had a listener call in, and I keep bringing her up forever. I know exactly who you're talking She's about. She's the one who said, I am just sick of everybody having a British accent if they're not American. And I actually appreciated watching this movie that nobody put on a fake accent. Nobody had a Russian, no, fake Russian no, accent. No Russian accent, no English accent. They just, you know, they did their thing. Well, how did you like the one guy who had the, who had the, the, the really broad southern accent? The guy, the guy that sounded like he was from, I think I looked him up. He's from like one of the Carolinas. And you can tell. He, sa- he sounds like he's from the American South. And here he is on a Soviet sub. Hi, Captain. <laughs> Hi again, Captain Ed Harris. 
Can I just say, I just hated this movie so much that I would take any bit of inconsistency as at least something to make my ears or eyes yeah, perk up. It right. was such a boring, boring, boring movie. It's incredibly boring, and it makes it makes absolutely no sense. It's impossible in this movie to tell in a, in any given scene what anyone is talking about. It's, they, it was just completely baffling. They talk slowly. There's lots of pauses. People are having epileptic seizures. Yes. There's just all – I don't know. I, yeah. all no, I, have to, I, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. Can I, I just know. say it's a bad date? A complete disaster. Awful, yeah, a terrible date. Awful, awful date. So let's move on to Jack the Giant Slayer. What's the matter, though? Not enjoying the show? Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> hey, hey, that's no way to treat that. Oh, oh. To be honest, you looked a little too drunk to do that. No, I won't say we let the good lady go home, and I'll consider forgetting all about this. Oh, that Nicholas Holt. He's so... Yeah, you love that guy. I just love him. I know he's probably, like, totally age-inappropriate for me to have a crush on. He's, but... like, 20... I don't know what. He's not a... He's not... He plays a teenager in this, but he's not... He's not 18. He's 20-something. I'm not really out to steal everyone's teenage sons, just Nicholas Holt, who's <laughs> just actually Holt. not a teenager. He just plays one on television. But right. he he's fantastic. He, he's also in Warm Bodies right now. Right. And he also is famous for About a Boy. And... He is playing Jack, as in Jack and the Beanstalk, in this modern retelling of it. There's a princess that he's defending in that scene there who he has a bit of a romance with. And there are giants and there's beanstalks. There's the whole thing there. What did you think, Rafer? Well, I here's one reason I loved this movie. Um, and I'm going to take oh, issue. you just played all your cards. I did. I did. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Here's the thing. You call it a modern update. And I think... I think that's a little bit because we're so used to any fairy tale that hits the screen must be a modern update. They mu- it's Hansel and Gretel. They're going to have machine guns. It's, you know, if it's Snow White, she's going to have a sword. If, and this movie actually, I thought, was not a modern update. It's, it's an old-fashioned classic fairy tale. You, you do have Jack. You do have the beanstalk. There are some changes to the, to the story. But they're more like elaborations to make it a bigger, richer, 90-minute feature-length story. And... I thought it had a great screenplay, um, co-written by Christopher McQuarrie, uh, Usual Suspects. Oh, I didn't know that. And the movie is directed by, yeah, by Brian Singer, who also directed um, Usual Suspects and all the X-Men films. Um, I just thought this movie, it's not the most magical movie. I was not that impressed with Nicholas Holt and Eleanor Tomlinson. Oh. I know. I'm sorry that you like that. You he's think he's so a cutie. Yeah, I know. I just want to hug him and hug him. I didn't think he's that. I don't think there's a lot of there there on screen with him, but... Great supporting cast, great direction, runs like clockwork. Stanley Tucci is the villain. What more do you want? Ewan McGregor is the gallant knight, and he's really fun. Mm, and I just and thought, handsome as well. And he is. I, I do like Ewan McGregor. And I, I thought it was a really enjoyable movie for once. I mean, it's so rare to find a kid's movie that you like, and uh, I like this one. You? But, but you know what, what I am going to say about the modern thing? Here's where the modernity comes in. You have lots of CGI. Lots of CGI. Lots and lots of, you can tell this movie's very 2013 in that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you're right. It's a good, rollicking, old-fashioned fairy tale. I would say it's the best fairy tale adaptation of the last several years. Definitely. I can't think of anything that comes close in the last couple of years for I fairy totally tale agree. adaptations. I totally recommend this movie 100%. It's a fantastic date, whether you're going with the kids, whether you're a grown-up. I don't care who you are. You're going to probably really have a good time in this movie. Yeah, very good, very good kid date movie for sure. Let's talk about the next date we have with the wonderful Jeff Yang. Hi, Jeff. Hello. 
Thanks so much for being here today. It's terrific to be on a date with the two of you. <laughs> <laughs> Is this your first time doing this, Jeff? In public, yes. <laughs> now, we all know Jeff Yang is one of the greatest thinkers of our time. He writes for Wall Street Journal, the Dow Jones column. He has founded what, – what magazines and publications have you founded? What have you uh, taken over and started in this world? All of them. No, I, <laughs> yeah, so I founded a publication way back when called A Magazine. Uh, very confusing to people because you know they expected a definite article. The magazine? No, A Magazine. <laughs> uh, and uh, I've, I've written books. Uh, probably the one that's most familiar to people is I, I had the opportunity – to co-write Jackie Chan's autobiography, uh, I Am Jackie Chan, also confusing people because I'm not actually Jackie Chan. <laughs> yes, very confusing. You're Jackie Chan to me, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that on a resume being confusing, author of I Am Jackie Chan. Uh, we are Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're thrilled to have you with us today, Jeff, because Jeff, being a great thinker, a pop culture scholar, and an Asian American, mm-hmm. we wanted you to weigh in on this week's biggest release, 21 and Over, Here's a clip of it. Jeff Chang, this isn't just any birthday, okay? This is your 21st birthday. This is the day that you become a man. In the United States of America, Bald Eagles and Budweiser, you go out and drink. If we're in Africa, you would have to leave the village and not come back until you killed a bear. None of that is true. There's no bears in Africa? No. Really? You have to read a book. Whatever, I'm taking you out whether you want to or not. Just one beer. One beer. That's all I wanted. Now, 21 and over from the same writers of The, the writers, hangover, John, right? John Lucas mm-hmm. and Scott Moore, who wrote The Hangover, and they wrote this, and this is their directorial debut. Um, <laughs> you can't uh, – you, you, can, you can see they've basically just, you know, they've tinkered with the plot a little bit. Instead of a – instead of the, a wedding the next day, it's a big med school interview, and instead of, you know, uh, uh, the, missing, the missing friend, there's the junk the, – the drunk friend who is Jeff Chang um, – you know, wild, wild nights, you know, same thing. Everything gets out of control. Flashes of danger here and there, but mostly just a lot of, um, you know, women and, and nudity and partying and vomiting. And how are we all going to how are we all going to wrap this up and make it back to the big wedding slash med school interview? Um, and that's that's basically the plot of the story. And it's, it's this is this one thing you can say is at least everyone here is acting their age. They're all 21 years old. Um, so that's the basic summary, right? Yeah, and, and, that's it. That's it. And you know Jeff Chang, who you mentioned. Yeah. Um, they they yes. do say they do say. I think we just killed Jeff Chang. I don't know, maybe thirty times in the movie. Well, no one ever, no one ever. I don't think ever once calls him Jeff. They, I, no, it's always Jeff. It's Chang. always yeah. Jeff Chang. And in fact, if you if you stay and watch the credits, he is he is listed as Jeff Chang with no space. <laughs> <laughs> so they they know this this is the joke. This is the joke in the film about the Jeff Chang character who who's who is largely unconscious through most of it. And and I do have to say I was trying my best. No offense to you, Jeff Yang, for being here. I was trying my best to get a Jeff Chang to come on here. And <laughs> One it, of the many Jeff Changs, yes. <laughs> None of the Jeff Changs I reached out to got back to me, and I'm like, whatever, I'm going to get Jeff Yang instead. <laughs> I think it was the right choice. Well, well. I think so, too. I think so, too. So we would love your take on this, Jeff Yang. I Well, first of all, I wish I could say that the only reason I was cringing during this movie was because, you know, the I think we uh, just killed Jeff blank rhyming with Ang. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly uh, being presented there. I mean, I, it's interesting to me because on the one hand, this is a movie that purports to have uh, an Asian character as one of its primary uh, protagonists. I mean, they they say ad infinitum how good a friend he is, mm-hmm. how much they love him. Don't you remember hanging out with him all the time? But most of the movie really is about different ways to abuse him 
uh, in in really humiliating fashion while he's mostly unconscious. I mean, you know, it's kind of like The Hangover meets Weekend at Bernie's uh, because much of the time he's in a an alcoholic coma. Yeah. And when he's not, he is, you know, naked uh, or uh, – Dancing or dancing naked. <laughs> yes, right. Sometimes running naked. Sometimes naked. Right. Sometimes right. having people put things on him while he's naked. Yeah, just you know, setting stuff just on to, Just to sort of, you know, to shake it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> they throw him off a balcony. Yes. They, uh, Actually throw him off a lot of stuff. He yeah. just gets thrown out of things a lot. Yeah, he dropped <laughs> onto a, the hood of a car. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's, he's defaced, actually mm. defaced, right, with a marker. Yes. Um, someone, puts, uh, someone glues something to his uh, penis, of yes. course. It's, it, it really wouldn't be... A comedy, unless you glued something to somebody's penis. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, so that it it is it is a long list of abuse. You know, when I was writing my um, deeply negative review on this <laughs> film, um, which won't actually run in the paper until Saturday, mm-hmm. um, I, I was trying to figure out though why why what what about it was racist what about the treatment mm. of this character is racist is it just because he was cast as an is it is it just because an asian actor plays him or is there something more so this is interesting cuz i actually got into uh, some arguments with friends about hangover and hangover 2 mm. uh because i i when i was writing at the time for the san francisco chronicle wrote a uh, lengthy piece which simultaneously slammed hangover 2 when it came out uh, and defended Hangover 1. Hmm. And the reason is because the difference between the two is in the first one, uh, you had you know Ken Jeong's character uh, clearly letting it all hang out in more ways than one. Ah, that's right. Uh, he, he was over the top. He was silly. He was, you know kind of vaguely effeminate uh, and certainly self-humiliating. But so was everybody else. I mean, there was a sense in which his character was uh, presented as a, an agent. You know, as an agent of crazy change, uh, and he's almost kind of the winner in he, that yeah, film, right? Yeah. He's sort of he's almost the one that kind of comes out on top in a way. Yes, and and unfortunately, in the in the second one, they take everything that was sort of gloriously over the top uh, about Ken Jeong's character, and, and see now I'm doing it, not calling him Ken, but Ken Jeong, <laughs> Ken Jeong, <laughs> no space, no space, um, and and uh, they a amp up the stuff that was kind of unpleasant several notches. But then they also remove that agency. They stick him in an ice chest, essentially, not to be a spoiler, uh, for most of the movie and basically just turn him into somebody who doesn't have control over uh, his surroundings or settings and isn't even part of the momentum of the film. And if you if you look at this film, that's a very similar thing. This could have been... When Kristen and I actually saw this movie, I said, what's interesting is that in some ways the whole idea of the college movie or the kind of young person's crazy sex romp uh, journey was changed up by the cult success of the Harold and Kumar films, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and for uh, not only because they added a layer of surrealism and, and just, just amp, you know, again, turning it to 11 uh, that hadn't been seen for a while, but also because the characters themselves, the relation between them, the, um, the fact that they were both by default – not what you'd expect, you know. Uh, Asian Americans, for one. Yeah. Uh, two Asian Americans. Stoners. Stoners, <laughs> right? Stoner Americans. Uh, but you know, the fact is, they they lived their skin in, in such an easy way that even if you actually saw the things they did and said, and some of the interaction they had as sexist, racist, over the top, misogynist, it was it was done in a way that really did feel kind of post something. I don't want to say post racial, but certainly post racial obsession. Now, if you look at this film. 
Imagine if Harold and Kumar were made, except that Harold and Kumar were unconscious in a corner and you replaced them with two white folk. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. this is what I have to say about the post idea. Okay, so you mentioned Weekend at Bernie's, which this movie also reminded me of Weekend at Bernie's. And, of course, it reminded me of The Hangover. Both of those movies, you have a primary character who's either completely passed out or absent mm. or dead through the whole thing. Would you have an issue if Jeff Chang was actually Jeff Jones and passed out the whole time? I don't think I would. But, you know, then again, I don't think that the dimension would have even been uh, part of the narrative, right? I mean, the fact is, there is a racial component to the movie, just as there was, frankly, in Harold and Kumar, for very similar reasons. I mean, you know, uh, Kumar, uh, Cal Penn's character, in the first movie was actually going to have a med school interview or, you know, the next day, right. much like Jeff Chang. Uh, and the over-the-top domineering dad, you know, Indian in Harold and Kumar, and in this one, um, I guess Korean or Chinese American? Chinese, I think. He's, Chinese? Isn't okay. he supposed to be Chinese? I, I think. think so. Yeah, I mean, Justin Chan is Korean, but you know, it doesn't matter in, in the context of this film. The fact is, Tiger Dad is Tiger Dad, whatever yeah. the Asian ethnicity. Um, so that is a big part of the film. And if it was Jeff Jones or Smith, I don't think that the easy laughs about intergenerational hostility or uh, cultural expectations would have been there in the same way. Well, also, I feel like... Uh, not to mention penis jokes. <laughs> yes, right. I, I also think, like, well, like what you're saying about, about Harold and Kumar, I think, I, think, I think what was appealing about them is that they were a, aware of but not defined by their race. Mm -hmm. They were not trapped in it. Um, Jeff Chang is, and for some reason, again, you could make the argument that perhaps in a different 21 and over film, they would spend the whole film calling him Jeff Jones, but they wouldn't. It's the, mm -hmm. the fact that his last name is Chang is what is funny exactly. about that joke. It's important to call him Jeff Chang and remind us all over and over that this is the Asian guy. Exactly. And he's not – I kept wondering to myself – like Weekend at Bernie's definitely came up in my mind. Mm -hmm. And um, I kept thinking to myself because there are so many similarities to The Hangover. Um, you know, the, the Asian dad really is essentially anyone's wife from The Hangover, <laughs> right? Right. He's the one you're all scared. Oh, my God, we're all scared of this, you know, this domineering force in our lives that we can't get away from. Um, you know, and The Hangover was women now. And this one, it's our dad. Um, but I kept thinking, so, so what, is, what is Jeff Chang? And I kept thinking, is he the monkey from Hangover 2? Oh, and then I thought, the, no, he's, he's the baby. He's no. the baby. That that, that no. Zach Galifianakis carries around, and they actually call him the baby. Yes. They call Jeff Chang the baby several times right. in this movie, and it's it's all you know, it's infant. It's well, I can't say that word infantilizing. It is infantilizing. Yes, you know what I'm yeah. saying. I yeah. cannot believe I'm the one defending this movie. I, by the way, I want to. I, 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 I don't want to make it sound like this is a great work of art. I'm just saying that. Maybe I went in with really low expectations, and I thought I was going to just be so much more upset about it and hate it so much mm. more. But Jeff Yang, when you mm. and I were sitting next to each other, Jeff Yang, <laughs> you and I both laughed out loud a few times. Sure. And th there were some moments where I know you and I were not laughing at the movie, but with the movie right. and really enjoying it. And I went in just thinking... Those, were, mo those were moments, by the way, when Jeff Chang wasn't on screen, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, here's here's the thing. I, you know, I, I've really gotten to a point now where uh, you know a film like this. I, I I would I even said this you know jokingly to Rafer as we're coming in. It doesn't really even seem consequential enough to spend 22 minutes talking about, uh, except for the fact that I think it really does. Uh, and and you know, in part because there are some funny moments in it. And actually, you know, I 
I was slightly won over by some of the performances. I think there were some talented actors in there. Um, I even think Justin Sean was a great sport for, for taking on, you know, what he did during the film. Um, but given all that, the only reason I think why this is really worth maybe engaging is just because this past week, you know, we have in fact seen how uh, the limitations of this particular kind of humor, the sort of frat humor, has has hit, I think, a cultural uh, turning point in our society. At least that's what I'm saying. And I'm going to be writing about this this weekend myself. Uh, you mean oh, after the Oscars? You're talking about Seth MacFarlane. Oh, yes, I'm talking about Oscars. That. And specifically Seth MacFarlane because when you think about it, uh, a lot of what really does make the film feel uncomfortable in a lot of ways is this notion of, you know, the uh, people who are being made fun of being there but sort of unconscious spectators, right? Mm -hmm. Non-actors. I mean actors but non-agents, right? And I think part of what made the Seth MacFarlane stuff so deeply uh, awkward in a lot of ways is because you had, again, this, you know, young, smirky, smarmy white guy, you know, white guy uh, who's making these jokes at the expense of, you know, women, and people of color and Jews and gays and, and, you know, consciously throughout it representing that I'm not that. I'm not a woman. I'm not gay. A very clearly not gay. Oh, yes. The, mm, a clearly the not gay clearly. joke. Right, yeah. right, right. So, you know, the, the limit there feels like he's trying to be laughing with the crowd but clearly separating himself from that crowd. Uh, and at the same time, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of room. F I mean, I think that it could have been different in some ways if you had uh, – you know, somebody on stage laughing with him who is not so clearly representative of the increasingly minority white male population of the United States. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I I think um, I think that um, I think I think I think this movie also I think wants to be part of a post-racial world. Uh, there's that line where where Mile where, where Casey, one of the mm -hmm. white characters, says, "You know, he's as American as you are about about Jeff Chang." And I kind of thought, well. A, I don't think that's true. <laughs> and, and B, the only reason that you would say that is to alleviate my guilt right. at laughing at these jokes. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I think this movie wants to be post-racial, but it's, I think it's clearly not. So do we all agree that it's a bad date or Kristen? You know, I'm making it sound like I'm defending this movie. What I'm really saying is I didn't hate it as much mm -hmm. as I expected. That doesn't mean it's a good date. <laughs> I, re I really wish that Jeff Yang, his character, had... Jeff More. Chang. Jeff Ch Oh, God. <laughs> now you're Whoa. doing it. Oh. Now I'm doing it. Oh, hey. snap. Man. I, I, I wish Jeff Yang and I would have agreed. No. I'm, I'm trying to save myself. It's not working. I, would, <laughs> I, I, I wish Jeff Chang had something that made him more whole and more round and more autonomous and have any sense of realness to him. That would have been great rather than just being – he's pretty much a sack of potatoes just being right. carried around. He could have been played by a pillow. But – yeah, I'm, I'm not saying this is a great date. I, I was a little bit playing devil's advocate, but it's it's a pretty bad date. Yeah. It's pretty bad. And, and Jeff I, Yang, bad I will date? say, though, that any date with Kristen is a good date. Oh, <laughs> that's <Kristen>. so nice. <laughs> well, well, you know what we want to do before you leave us? Thanks for visiting us, first of all, today. We're really yes. thrilled that you sat through this movie <laughs> and Thanks, that you Jeff brought, your, you brought you. your great commentary <laughs> and your insights to it. But we want to go out with trivia. And first, let's remind everyone of last week's trivia and and then, Jeff, you brought a question for this week. So, yes. Ray, for last week's trivia. Last week's trivia, uh, in honor of a good day to die hard, we, we revisited <laughs> uh, the, old, the old die hard, die hard with a vengeance. And we asked viewers if they could solve the, the mysterious water jug riddle that, um, that uh, Jeremy Irons poses to uh, Bruce Willis. Uh, here, by the way, 
is the answer. I got it. I got it. Exactly two gallons in here, right? Right. Leaving exactly one gallon of empty space, right? Yeah. A full five gallons here, right? Right. You pour one gallon out of five gallons into there, we have exactly four, four gallons, gallons in there. Yeah. Pour it in there. Come on. So, so complicated. So clever. Scientific. So clever. Oh, I want him to die hard my puzzles. It's a, it's, a good, it's a good thing he had Samuel L. Jackson to help him on that one, though. Um, all right. And so this week, in honor of 21 and over, uh, we're going to throw this to Jeff Yang and let him uh, finish, finish us out here with the trivia. I will play you off with trivia. Um, so the son of a two-time Oscar-winning director made his big screen debut in a movie very much like 21 and over. Name the actor, the director, and the movie. If you know, give us a call, 5717-MOVIES. Or, as always, log on to facebook.com slash movie date podcast. I've come to 